Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in a brand new year. Um, I'm excited about 2020 here at Bethesda Church. I believe that God is going to do some amazing things. I'm excited about the word that I I get to share with you today. And I'm always reminded of the responsibility of sharing to so many people at one time. And uh, uh, if you ever thought about pressure, this is it. (laughs) Uh, I'm excited though, because God has given us direction uh, for this year. I was at a prayer retreat in the month of August when I really felt that the Holy Spirit began to give me some long-range goals, but he also gave me some specific things for 2020 that I'm going to begin sharing with you today. Um, In case you don't know it, this, what's happening here, is what you would call a move of God. What's happening in our church is a move of God. We are facilitating an actual movement that is impacting the world from right here in White Sulphur Springs. I'm excited about it, y'all. This, this, this is so cool to see what God is doing. Um, I love what he's doing in our church. I'm thankful that I get to lead it um, and, and the responsibility that comes with it. I, I love that people can come here and know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I love the what, like all the things we do to deliver the vision that God has given. I love the what, but I love you more, the people. And I want to say it another way. God loves what he's doing here. How many of God is orchestrating all of this? But he loves you more than even what he's doing. I think sometimes that we get so caught up in the what that we miss out on the who. And, and so I love what? I love knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference. But I love the people that are being impacted by the what more than I love what we're doing. Does that make sense? That, that Jesus boiled the whole thing down, y'all, to one commandment. That one, it's one law with two functions. The, the, the law is love. The law is love. The two functions are we love God and we love people. Amen, that's what it's all about. How many know if we will work on loving God and loving people, we'll have a good life? Yeah, four of you, awesome. (laughs) I'm excited. So with all that being said, um, we're kicking off a brand new series and and some of y'all are gonna think, what kind of title is that? Am I in a club or at the church? Um, Our title is Turn It Up. Everybody shout that with me, say turn it up. All right. This series is Turn It Up, and it's in connection to our 2020 vision. It will make sense as we get a little deeper in this. I want to start with one verse of Scripture. We'll have some more as as we move along. But let's go to Proverbs chapter 29, starting in verse number 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Everyone say this when they say 2020 vision. Now, a follow-up statement, say this. Say, it's my 2020 year. I'll say it with some conviction. Say, it's my 2020 year. Come on. Awesome. Somebody's really getting it. 
Love it. This year is our 2020 vision year. And when you hear 2020, you automatically think to perfect vision, right? That's what I think. I think about 2020 vision. Uh, and, and I believe that God wants to do something as it relates to vision this year. Uh, I was at a prayer retreat uh, in the month of August, and God began to give me some things. And one of the things that God began to speak to me is that 2020 would become a year of focus, clarity, uh, direction, and purpose. That, that uh, to make it practical, I believe there are a lot of people in this room today that your vision for your life, if you were being honest right now, it has become cloudy. It has become blurred. That you're, you're kind of feeling your way through life and, and, and how many, sometimes we, we have to faith it until we make it. You know, it's like we're just feeling our way. But 2020 is a year where I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to make some things clear to you. That you're not just trying to filter your way through the dark, but you actually know the path you're supposed to take. That there's going to be great clarity, great focus, and direction this year. Um, it's kind of like in the natural, when, when your vision becomes blurred and you go to the eye doctor and they prescribe for you glasses or contacts, and, and, and what they're doing is they're just helping you to bring your vision back into focus. And I believe that 2020, this 2020 year is a year that not only for Bethesda corporately, that's going to happen, but I believe for you individually that God is going to make some things clear to you this year. The other thing that God is, has spoken to our hearts about is not only would it be a year of great clarity and focus and vision, but that every time I get a prophecy, y'all, I just want y'all to know, no matter where I go, if I get a prophetic word, I can almost guarantee that the word healing and health is attached to it. Everywhere I go, every word I get is that Bethesda Church is a place of healing. It's going to be a place of health. And, and, and it's, I'm getting it over and over again. And I believe that 2020 here at Bethesda is a year of healing. Anybody receive that for 2020? That this is a year of healing. So a couple of dec declarations. In 2020, we are declaring that it will be a year of focus, clarity, direction, and purpose. All right? In 2020, we are declaring that it will be a year of healing. We began to see this even in 2019. We saw it specifically in the series that we just came out of, the series on Uncluttered. Um, I can't tell you, like, we do Easter and at the movies and all that stuff. I had more feedback from the December series than anything we did all year long because people started calling people they were mad at and bitter towards and they were asking for forgiveness and they were, they were allowing God to heal their relationships. Um, so I believe that this year is a year of great healing and, and God has given me five specific areas that we are to focus on as it relates to health and healing. And so you may want to write these down. We're going to focus on them all year. Number one is spiritual health. Spiritual health. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are a spiritual being. We live inside of a body and we have a soul. What we, what we have to understand is that the spiritual affects both the body and the soul. That when we get the spiritual right, that we start seeing results in the other areas. So spiritual health. Secondly is physical health. Now this is a big one for a lot of us because a lot of Christians, they like, you know, I pray in tongues 12 hours a day. 
And that's great. We're like, praise the Lord for you. Like, you're real spiritual. The problem is, is they treat their body like garbage. They treat the temple that God, how I many, we only get one of these, y'all, until we get the new one. Like, while you're here, you only get one. And sometimes we, we're praying, and we're worshiping, and we're preaching, but we don't exercise. I, can y'all cut this one off and give me a handheld? I'm going to have to preach. Sorry, online family. Physical health. Um, many of us, we're too tired physically to do what God has called us to do. Some of us, we're too sick physically to do and accomplish the assignment God has put on our life. So we're going to focus on physical health. I believe that in 2020, some of you, you've been trying to diet and exercise. You've been trying to do that for like 30 years, and you've never found a rhythm. I believe with all my heart in 2020, you will find a rhythm, not a fad, but a rhythm to live healthier. <laughs> Number three, emotional health. And this one is extremely important to me. A lot of, a lot of Christians, listen, there's a lot of people I meet that love Jesus, they love him, but they are emotionally unstable. They, they allow their emotions to cause their life to become a roller coaster. They are up one day and down the next, happy one day, depressed the next, and they, they live because they allow the emotional part of their lives to, to determine their mood, their relationships, how they're going to perceive the day. They, they, they have never moved into a place where the spirit man is actually telling the emotions what they're going to do. And, and so that's a change that needs to take place, and we have to focus on it in 2020. Number four is relational health. Relational health. Our previous series, we, we spent a lot of time on this, and we're going to hit it again in February. I'm going to do a series in the month of February called Treasure Hunters. And the premise, the idea behind the series is that every person has a treasure. Every person possesses a treasure. But a lot of times, we get hung up on their dirt instead of extracting their treasure. And so we're going to learn how to honor the treasure and pull the treasure out so that we don't have to just deal with their dirt. Come on, somebody. Relational health. Number five, financial health. I believe that we have begun moving in that as a corporate body. Um, this church has grown in this area. This church is blessed. And what I, what I sense God wanting to do is that the blessing on this house, this church, that blessing, it's time for it to come on your house. That the same, same blessing that's here is on your house. And, and so we're calling this series Turn It Up because God has said it'll be a year of focus and direction, a year of vision. It will also be a year of healing. And it will be a year where we proactively focus on health. All right? That, that's what this year is about. So we're calling this Turn It Up because how many know God can give you a word, and some of us, we just think it'll automatically happen, but you have to participate 
in any word that God gives you. If God is declaring this is a year of focus and vision and healing and health, you have a part to play in that. I meet people who say, well, well, you know, it was just a false prophecy. No, it wasn't a false prophecy. You didn't get up off your behind and put some action with the word that God gave you. And so we're announcing to, to the church we're announcing to every demon that would like to stop what God wants to do that we are about to turn it up spiritually, turn it up physically, turn it up emotionally, turn it up in our relationships. We're going to turn it up financially. We're going to turn it up this year in response to what God has spoken over this house. And I'm excited about this. I want you to say, turn it up. Now say, it's my 2020 year. All right, I want us to make it personal this year. This can be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. That's why today I'm talking about turn it up spiritually because we can work on relationships and emotions and finances and our diet and exercise, but if we don't get it right spiritually, how many know that you're gonna end up frustrated? The spiritual impacts every other part of our life. For many, we don't really have emotional problems. We have a spiritual problem. We don't even really have relationship problems sometimes. We have a spiritual problem. Some of us, we are, we're, we're actively trying to do something different, but I think it's time that we become someone different. That it's not just about doing something different this year. It's about becoming someone different. That it's not about me just changing my activities and changing what I do from day to day. Sometimes there needs to be a change on the inside before I can make some changes on the outside. And so we have to start spiritually. I believe many of us, the reason we're frustrated is because we're working on the old me instead of becoming the new me. See, God wants to change our identity. He wants to change who we are. So as we move toward health in all these areas, I believe, and I'm I'm just going to prophetically say it over you, there's some people in this room today that when you step in to 2021, there are going to be some people that have known you a long time, but when you step into 2021, they're going to look at you and not even recognize you because God is going to do so much in your life this year. Now, for all the skeptics, let's look at a verse. Psalm 90, verse 12. The psalmist, this is really a prayer, not not so much a verse as as it is a prayer. God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a twofold prayer that we all need to be praying. God, teach us to number our days and that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And and really what he's praying here is, number one, help us recognize what is priority. Help us recognize what is priority. Then he says, teach us to number our days. Again, you are body, soul, and spirit. Now, all three of those want to be in charge. Your body wants to be in charge. Like, you, you, all know, you all know it's true. You're like, I'm going on a diet, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're up under a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, you laid up under it, passed out from the sugar. Because your body wants to call the shots. And, and, and so when the body's in charge, 
um, the result is overindulgence. That, that's what, when the body's calling the shots, you end up in overindulgence. When the soul, you say, what's the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. When the soul's in charge, you say things you regret. You make bad decisions. If, if you look happy, it's really a mirage. It's not real happiness. It's, you, you're, you're faking it, you know, until you can get there. And so the soul and the body want to be in charge, but it's not until we prioritize and the spirit man is in charge that we find true peace, joy, love, kindness, all the things that the Bible says belongs to us, it only really takes place when we have put the spiritual man first. Look at Romans 8 and 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So it's a picture of two people. We fall into one of two categories. We either try to change our life from the external in or we're going to change our life from the internal out. The, the, the external in, when you're just trying to work on all this out here, you're going to be mad, frustrated, you're going to hate people, all kinds of stuff, because you're trying to make external changes when, when, when the reality is, if we want true, lasting change, how many know it don't start out here? I don't need my spouse to get better for me to get better. Like, I don't, I don't need certain people to change for me to be okay. Like, I've got to have a change in here. It's got to start in here. I, I can't just expect you to change for me to be happy. I, there's an internal change that God wants to give me. And so it all starts spiritually. And I believe that the quality of your life is dependent on who is calling the shots in your life. Is your body calling the shots? Is your soul calling the shots? Or is your new, your, your new spiritual man, when you're, how many know, when we come to Christ, we are born again. We are a new person. Is your spirit man calling the shots? And so the psalmist says, help us to recognize what is priority. Second part of that, he's saying, help us reorganize what is priority. He said that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. There's a lot of people that know stuff, like they know a lot of stuff, but I would not put them in the category of wise. And, and, and the reason is because there's a breakdown between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is, yeah, it's what I know, but wisdom is the ability or the grace to apply what I know. There, there's, there's, a big, there's a big gap. Like you, there's some people who can quote all the word in the world to you. They can quote half the Bible, but their marriage is a wreck. Their money's a wreck. Their body's out of control. Like They know all the things God says, but there's a big gap between what they know and what they've applied to their life. And, and so what we want to do is we want to close the gap. And one of the ways, listen, it's not popular, like it, it, there's nothing uh, glamorous about it, but we as Christians, we have to learn how to live by principle and not by emotion. It's what separates mature Christians from immature Christians. Uh, that, that's it right there, living by principle versus living by emotion. Example, let me give you an example that we can grab. 
Um, we all know, uh, I say that, maybe we don't all know. Think about that. We all know, since we are Facebook Live, we all know it's probably not a good idea to fight with people on Facebook. Like, right? Don't, don't we all really know? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Some of you are like, no, I don't know. Bless God, I'll fight with whoever. If they want to go, let's go. Like, we, we really do know. Like, we should probably live by principle and not do that. But then somebody rubs us the wrong way, and though we know we shouldn't, emotion takes over. We fight with them, demonstrating that God is not first. Demonstrating that we live by emotion and not by principle. And demonstrating that we are still immature and we've not grown up in the faith. So we have to reorganize what is priority. We all know more than we do. Like, for instance, we all know as, as Christians, we should pray. Like, we should pray. We should read our Bible. We should uh, worship. We should go to church. But for a lot of Christians, we, the only Bible reading we get is when, I, when, when Pastor Chad preaches. The only time we pray is when they say it's time to pray at church. So we know, but we're not operating in it. We, we know what the Bible says, but we're not doing it. And, and here's the thing. The enemy understands the power of priorities. He understands it. And, and every attack that he, he makes against us will always be an attack against our priorities. For example, if, you, if you've ever set your heart to seek God, you know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to seek God, I'm going to set aside time, I'm going to pray in the mornings, I'm going I'm to do A, B, C, and you list all the things you're going to do spiritually. How many know a lot of times you'll wake up and one of the kids is throwing up? You find out the boss man is mad. You find something else out. And you get all these hiccups on your way to prioritize because the enemy understands the power of priority. See, when, when things are out of order in our life, I'm going to give you some factors. You, you'll be able to tell if you need to reorganize some things if you're seeing these things in your life. When God falls from first place in our life, here are four things I'll give you. There's more, but we'll give you four. God's not first. I will experience a fading peace. In other words, peace will escape me. I won't, I won't be able to keep peace. I'll constantly be chasing something that I could never really grab. Second one is when God's not first. I have common frustrations. Have you ever met somebody that was frustrated all the time? Come on, look at me, not at your neighbor. No matter what's happening in their life, they're frustrated. They get a promotion, they're frustrated. They have real problems, they're frustrated. They have no problems, they're frustrated. They find something to be frustrated about. What's happening in that person's life? I'll tell you what's happening. God's not first. God cannot be first and you be frustrated 365 days a year. It don't work like that. So there's common frustrations. The third thing that you will see when God is not first is increasing conflict. When I'm not where I need to be with God, I won't be where I need to be with you. 
So when God is not first, my relationships automatically suffer. Okay? Everybody grabbing this. Hit your neighbor and say, he's going to get the good stuff. This is like, y'all like, oh my God, first Sunday of the year. He took us out back and whipped us and sent us home. Number four, spiritual dryness. There's a distance between you and God, and you can't really explain it. You just, I, I just, I don't, there's distance. Doesn't matter what they sing, what he preaches, I just feel distant. It's probably because God is not first. But sometimes we are in that spiritual dry season so long, we think it's normal. We think it's normal. We think it's the way that it should be. And our spiritual apathy actually paralyzes our faith, which could actually set us free. But it paralyzes everything in our life. Can I just talk to you guys from my heart for the next few minutes? We here at Bethesda, and there's so many new people that are not only in-house, but so many new people that tune in online. And you don't know the history of this church, and you don't know a lot about the last 12 years. But every January for the last 12 years, since Karen and I became lead pastors, we have, we have done a corporate fast. Every January, 21 days, every year, we fast, we pray, we seek God. And I fully believe with all my heart that we're in a brand new facility like this because we fasted and prayed every year, the last 12 years for 21 days. I fully believe that um, through fasting and prayer, it's why a 1,000 people can get saved in one year. I fully believe it. I think things happen for people who fast and pray that, that's uncommon, don't make sense to, to ordinary folk. Incredible things happen. And so we come into every January looking forward to 21 days of prayer and fasting. But at the end of 2019, in the month of December, as I prayed about 21 days of prayer and fasting, every time I prayed, I kept hearing, and I don't, I don't mean like some of you are like, like, he hears God like, I don't mean audibly. All right, I mean, in my heart, every time I prayed, I kept hearing, sensing the number 10. Every single time, 10. And in scripture, I, I was struggling because I thought, well, you know, I'm just, I just don't want to fast 21 days. Come on, y'all. That's a long time. Like, I just don't want to go that long. But I kept hearing 10 days. And the problem was, is in scripture, there's, you can clearly find the one day, the three day, the seven day. 14-day, 21-day, and even 40-day fast, and I wasn't real clear on a 10-day fast. And so I, I guess I was struggling with, with that part of it until one afternoon I turned over to Daniel chapter 1 because I wanted to look at the Daniel fast, and I, I've seen this before, but for whatever reason hadn't remembered it, but in Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 8, and I'm going to give you some scriptures out of it. If you want to read this later, Daniel 1, 8, verse 8 through 21, all right? It's about 13, 14 verses. I'm gonna pull a few out to show you the correlation between what I felt God wanted our church to do and this, this that we're gonna read about in Daniel chapter one. Here's what it says. We'll drop down to verse 12 first. It says, please test your servants for 10 days. Everybody say 10 days, all right? I saw this for the first time. Test them for 10 days Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. All right? Vegetables and water. So we can see fasting. Drop down to verse 15. Verse 15 says, At the end of the 10 days, after they had eaten 10 days, vegetables and water, 
the end of that, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. All right, let's keep going. A couple things I want you to see. Verse 17, the last part. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Now, this is happening after the 10 days. And then verse 19 and 20, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel and his buddies, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. I'm not sure if you caught the correlation between where we started and what we just read because God said this would be a year of great vision, clarity, and focus. All right? That's what God has said to us as a church. Um, He also said it would be a year of healing and a year to focus on health. All right? That's what we started with. So we see the 10 days in scripture and it tells us that Daniel and his buddies ate vegetables and they drank water for 10 days and at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. Coincidence that God's been speaking about health, speaking about 10 days and then I read this verse of 10 days of fasting and they look healthier few verses later, it says, Daniel was able to understand vision and dreams of all kind. In other words, Daniel got his vision back. Things came into focus for him. So he, had, he, had, he got healthier. He had vision. But God's not done yet because look at this. At the very end, it says that Daniel became 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in both wisdom and understanding. And as I began to piece the puzzle together of what God was saying and and the 10 that I was hearing and what was taking place in Daniel chapter 1, I'm just crazy enough to believe that that this time next year, some of you, your life is going to look 10 times better than it does right now. Your marriage is going to be 10 times better than it is right now. Your money is going to be 10 times better than it is right now. Your physical health, 10 times better than it is right now. Anybody receive 10 times better? If you don't want yours, I'll take yours and mine. I'll get greedy in the spirit. But I kept hearing this 10, and then I began to see it. Daniel was not only healthier, but he got his vision back, and he became 10 times better. That's why we have to kick it up. We, we have to turn it up spiritually. we got to take it up a notch in response to what God has said. And so what we're going to do is a 10-day corporate fast. A 10-day, and, and here's the thing. I want you guys to think quality over quantity. How many of you understand that even a God thing can become a traditional thing? And, and I, the last couple of years, I'm going to be real honest with you, in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I heard more about what can I eat, and my stomach hurts, and I'm tired, and can I eat peanuts, and can I drink coffee? Like, guys, fasting is not about what we lose in food. Fasting is about what we gain in God. I'm so sick of hearing about what we can eat and what we can't eat. 
You have lost the purpose of it. Like, go ahead and just eat anything you want. If that's all it is, just eat. So I'm, I want us to think quality over quantity. I want us to take 10 days, January 12th through January 21st. 10 days, quality over quantity. And I want us to seek God, and I don't want us to complicate this. I don't want us to worry about 29 different men. It's only 10 days. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, we're going on a 10-day fast. Now hit him again and say, you can do anything for 10 days. You ain't going to die. You ain't going to fall apart. Listen, guys, I don't want to hear about like what we can eat and what we can't. And, but I am asking that every person at a minimum, if your doctor gives you the thumbs up, like if you have any physical conditions, I want you to get clearance. But, but, but if you've been eating cheeseburgers and donuts and running and doing all your stuff, then you can fast, all right? It's not going to kill you. I'm asking everybody at a minimum for 10 days at a minimum to do the Daniel fast. And let's not talk about what we can eat and what we cannot eat. It's simple. Fruit, vegetables, water. Why is that complicated? Why is that so complicated for? I, like, I, it's crazy what, what we do to something that's supposed to help us experience God. And we make it into things that it's not. Fruits, vegetables, water. No meat. No sweets, no sugar. I don't know why that's hard. Honestly, I don't. The fasting part's hard when you go without meat and sugar. I just don't know why we complicate the thing. And it's all about what we can and cannot eat. All right? I, I just, Daniel fast at a minimum. If you want to do more, like if you like, I'm all in. I'm going to drink water 10 days. Bless God, I may come at your house when I need a miracle, Okay? But I want us to participate. I'm asking everybody to participate. Um, and I need to answer the question because a lot of people don't know. They come, they get saved, they, they like the church, and he's up there telling me what I can eat. Like I'm a part of a cult. I understand. I, I get it. And, and, and I, I'm going I'm to say that I'm asking everybody to do this. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. Like if you only fast because I asked you or because you feel peer pressure from other people in the church, like you're afraid to show up one Sunday and they say, what you been eating? <laughs> you don't want to say, I'm not fasting. I've been eating whatever I want. You don't, like if that's the only reason you're doing go ahead and eat. Like just enjoy all right? I, I, don't, I don't want us to go at it from that direction. So biblical fasting means that I refrain from food for a spiritual purpose. It means that there are some things I need God to do for me that's more important than eating chicken on a Monday night. Fasting, number one, is trading one hunger for another. We have to remember there's a fight. The body wants to be in charge. The soul wants to be in charge, and your spirit man wants to be in charge. Your stomach hungers for food, your, your soul hungers for pleasure, but your spirit thirsts for the things of God. Secondly, fasting is not a requirement, it's a choice. So don't go home and tell your 
family. He said, I had to. I've invited everyone to participate. I'm not making, like, I'm not sending dogs to your house to sniff out if you got meat and sugar. <laughs> Promise. I'm, I'm not that interested. I'm interested in what I, what, what I believe God wants to do in me and my family and what God wants to do in this church, but I'm not as interested in whether you participate or not. That's totally up to you. Listen, if you're not concerned about getting clarity for your life and you're not concerned about health and healing, then don't worry about it. But if you're saying, you know, those are some things I want God to do in my life, then I, I would encourage you to jump in. So fasting is not a requirement, it's a choice. When we look at Jesus, the Bible tells us that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led right after his baptism. It's so cool to watch this. The baptism hap happens and the heavens open and God speaks and you would think this is the moment. The ministry starts, he writes his first book, you know, he heals a cripple. No, he goes from that moment into 40 days of fasting before he preached one sermon, before he healed one cripple, before he freed one captive or called one disciple, Jesus fasted. If the Son of God, our example, founded his life on fasting, how much more should you and I found our lives on fasting and prayer? Some of y'all going out here like, ooh, that's tough. I'm telling you, the results of fasting and prayer bring results unlike anything else. We'll give you two to three things in the next five minutes and we'll be done. Number one, as we move into putting God first, as we move into 2020, hearing what God has said over our church, number one, identify your why. When it comes to fasting, identify your why. Identify it. Like, why am I doing this? I'm fasting in response to what God has spoken over this church. Clarity, focus, direction. I'm fasting in response to healing over this church. I want to see physical, emotional. I, I want to see every kind of healing you can see this year. I want to see a crippled person walk. I want to see, see a dead person get back up. Like, I want to see God do what he said he would do. And so you got to identify your why. Look at what James says, James 4 and 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you gotta ask yourself, why am I participating in 10 days of prayer and fasting? You gotta know your why. Identify your why. Um, be, be specific, guys. Like, take, take the things God has said over our church, write them down. Take those five areas, spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, financial, write them down, write down some goals. Give God something to work with. Like sometimes we're fasting and praying and to be honest, we don't even know why. Like we don't even have a list. We haven't written any scriptures down. We don't have any goals. It's like, what are you asking? Don't be afraid to pray bold, audacious prayers as you pray and fast. Listen, you're not gonna... Like, your bold prayers are not taxing to God. They're not going to wear him out. You're not messing with his reputation to pray some bold prayers. I think some of us, we're just living way too small. We're, we're not praying big prayers. We're not believing for big things. And, and, and fasting 
pulls you in. What it does is that it actually puts me in alignment with my assignment. God's got an assignment over your life. Fasting and prayer will put you in direct alignment with his assignment. Secondly, make it a heart thing, not a food thing. In Isaiah 58 and 3, they fasted without results. And the reason is because it had become a routine. It had become a box to check. Fasting is about growing closer to God. And I'm going to encourage you, it's not enough for you to fast and, and then not pray. Like, if you fast and you're not praying, that's not fasting. That's called Jenny Craig, baby. You're going to look better in 10 days, but you're not going to be spiritually any better at all. If we don't attach prayer to this, we're missing it. Diet changes how you look. Fasting changes how you, how you see. And I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. Dieting changes how you look, but fasting changes how you see. A common question to any fast is, Pastor, what happens if on day four I fail? Is it a waste of time? There is no such thing as wasted time praying and fasting. If on day four you fall off the wagon and you drive somewhere far away so nobody can see you and you eat 24 Krispy Kreme donuts you pass out in your car before you drive back. It wasn't a waste of prayer and fasting up to that moment. All you need to do is jump back in the game the next day. Shake it off and get back in. The devil will do anything he can. Listen, guys, even if you make it six days out of 10 or four out of 10 or one out of 10, how many know it's better than zero? out of 10 last thing listen guys I want you to expect results expect results I shared this with a couple of staff members and also in the first service this morning budget your money not your faith Budget your money, but not your thinking. Some of us, the way we budget money is the way we budget our faith, budget our thinking. We want to scale everything down to where we are. I have some big dreams in my heart that wouldn't make sense to be accomplished. Matter of fact, if you can accomplish it on your own, it wasn't from God anyway. If you could see the plan that God has over your life and the dreams that God has over your life, you would probably be like Gideon was in the scripture and you'd say, who, me? Because God's dreaming a whole lot bigger than you're dreaming. God's thinking a whole lot bigger than you're thinking. And anything significant that we accomplish that comes from God, it's gonna be more than what we could ever do on our own. I want to encourage someone today that if you wait, 
for what's in your hand to become equal to what's in your heart, you'll become stagnant. Even all that God has done, and I look around this room and I look around, I I see two services like this and an online family that continues to grow. And I'm telling you, what's in my heart is still much bigger than what we can see out here. Hebrews 11 and six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I have seen fasting release blessings over families, individuals, and this entire church, like for a whole year. It's, it's a short-term thing with long-term rewards. I have seen fasting heal broken, broken families. I have seen fasting and prayer set people free from spiritual apathy and set addicts free that were bound up in something that they, they could not get over. And I have seen fasting literally loose them. See, sin will clog the, pi- the pipeline of future blessing, but fasting is the spiritual draino that unclogs the flow of living water in our soul. Some of you are gonna be unclogged for the first time in years as you step into a season of praying and fasting. It's going to release long-term rewards. Everybody say this, say, it's my 2020 year. Now say, I'm going to turn it up. We're going to turn it up spiritually. We're going to turn it up financially and relationally, emotionally, every part. The five, we're going, to, we're going to turn it up. I want you to stand to your feet this morning because we're going to make some declarations now. There's power in what we say, power in, in, in what we declare. And so we're going to make some declarations because we're in response to what God is saying this year is about. This is my 2020 year, which means we're gonna regain clarity, focus, direction, and purpose. This year, we will see a wave of God's healing power, not just physically, but also emotionally and in relationships in every part of our life. We declare here at Bethesda Church that 2020 is going to be a year of vision and healing. We declare that in 2020, our main campus right here will continue to grow, both numerically, but more important, spiritually. We declare that in 2020, our online campus is going to take a big leap. It will grow numerically and also in interaction. In 2020, we declare that we will work on the what, but not at the expense of the who. In 2020, we declare that we will begin praying about an opportunity for another physical Bethesda location. Hey, I'm just up here declaring right now, so y'all can just sit there or participate, but I'm gonna declare some things. We declare that we're gonna We're gonna prioritize God and make Him first in our lives. I don't know about you, I'm excited about what God wants to do. 2020, a year of vision, a year of healing, and a year of health. I believe that we have an invitation seven days from now, January 12th through 21st, to say, you know what? 
I've tried my way. I'm ready to step into what God wants to do, to what he wants to say. Listen, God, I don't know what all God's dreaming up for this church, but I know I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to make sure we're prepared for it. And, and sometimes, it sounds great, be prepared for it. Sometimes what God wants to do, you never really get prepared because it's bigger than where you are. But I think our minds have to be stretched. Our spirit has to be stretched. Would you bow your heads with me today? Close your eyes. No one looking around for these next few moments. I want to speak to those that are here and those that are watching online right now. One of the things we're praying for is that there would be no distance in the live experience and the online experience. So we're praying for you, those of you that are watching and those of you that are in-house today. If you would say, you know what, Pastor, I need Jesus to save me, to forgive me, to change me. I need Jesus today. If that's you in-house, would you just raise your hand right there where you are and say, that's me. I need Jesus to save me today. Come on, raise those hands high. Let me see them. I see one over here. God bless you. Anyone else? I see hands on several on this side. Awesome. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Anyone else? Thank you for the eight people that are watching online that are ready to receive Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. Here's what we want to do. We want to pray with every person that's about to receive Christ, and we want to pray together. Would you repeat these words after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you celebrate all those individuals right now? Come on, give God a praise for them. Those of you that are watching online, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email, let us know who you are. God bless you guys. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to prepare for a time of prayer, and we're going to sing one more song. Before we do this, I just want to see real quick, how many feel like we're stepping into something special in 2020? Anybody sense that? Like, God's wanting to do something really, really cool. Man, I, I'm so thankful that you're here. Karen and I love you. We pray for you often. And I think before we go into a time of prayer, can you just give God the highest praise you have all day long, church? Come on. Come on, two more online just got saved, by the way. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.